Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners. Today, our guest is Rania Sedholm, a firm managing partner with Sedholm and Mayhew. Rania is an attorney who looks to provide practical solutions to complex problems. She's a skilled legal and business commentator and has appeared in national media, including the LA Times, the Chicago Tribune, Forbes, Business Week, and CNN Money. Rania, I've given our listeners some insight into your background. Please expand on what I said and tell us something about yourself personally. Thank you so much for the introduction. Uh, the only thing I would really add about the firm is that we are all attorneys with business acumen that help companies monetize their business. And we help not only provide you know business advice, but we provide practical solutions to complex problems. So if you're looking for a law firm to simply tell you what the law says without then telling you how to apply it, then we're the wrong law firm for you. And um, me personally, I live in Manhattan. And I, I do think it's the center of the universe, although people tell me that that's, I should stop doing that, but I love it here. And I live here with my wonderful and smiley husband, Jose. So, Rania, which of your strengths or habits have allowed you to be successful in developing business? I think really two things go hand in hand. One is um, I'm pretty friendly. I like being around people. Uh, you have to do that if you're in any kind of service environment. And secondarily, I have a lot of perseverance. And I think that... Uh, a lot of people mistake no response for a no, where no response is simply no response. So don't give up until you get a yes or a no. So that's a best practice you employ. Are there other best practices you recommend to others that are trying to develop their business? Sure. I think you have to have a plan. I think a lot of us go through life in kind of an ad hoc way. Because we're so busy, it's not uh, it's not something that we do on purpose, but we're being pulled in so many directions, you know, with, uh, you know, requirements on the job and then home and family and extended family. And we don't really put into our calendar things to do for business development. So I often hear people telling me, oh yeah, I'm going to get new clients because I'm going to go networking. And I say, that's great. Well, where are you going and who are you targeting and what are you going to tell them? And how are you going to follow up with those people? And they're like, well, I don't know, but I'm going to go (laughs) to the event. So I think you have to have a plan. Think of it as a business plan for business development, as opposed to a business plan for, for selling whatever good or service you're selling. Because we all have the plan, like we're going to provide these services and those services, but we don't ever have a real plan as to how to get people to buy those services. Excellent. So I'm hearing you have to do tactical things, but you also need a strategy. Correct. Is there a particular strategy that you've employed or a plan that you've employed that you can describe? Well, I think this is really personal and it varies from you know, for everyone. But for me, I think that one of the best differentiators we have, and this is something we all say anyway, the best differentiator is me. Everyone says that. And that's all fine. And it's true. But how can they get to know you? Uh, So what I do is I do public speaking, whether I'm on a panel or I'm the only speaker or I put on an event. And that way, you can judge me for who I am, which is fair. You know, do you think you want to work with me or not? No problem. At least we've addressed it. 
So you give people an example of your work through your speaking and through panels, you know. Right. So that's really what's worked for you. And that does because I try. It, I mean, when you're on a panel, sometimes you don't have as much freedom because someone is asking you a specific mm -hmm. question. You have a very finite amount of time because you don't want to take away from the other panelists. But if I'm the only speaker, then I always tell people I will actually give you at least one piece of real advice before this is over, and that way you can. You know, ask yourself, well, did she tell me anything I didn't already know? Did she tell me something that I could have gotten from my Uncle Google, who's everyone's uncle and tells everyone everything anyway? You know, what did she really do for me right now in this environment? And if you give someone a piece of information that they appreciate and you mm -hmm. provide value, even though it's free to them, it's still their time, so it's never really 100% free, um, then if they like you, you have a great opportunity to get more business out of the person or some business if they're not already a client of yours. So the market's changed. And I would imagine the philosophy and the strategy you employ is working you know, in this changing market. But would you like to comment on that? I mean, things have changed. It's become more competitive, probably uh, better for someone who's more independent in this type of these type of market conditions. But any comments on how your business may have changed? Sure. I mean, I think that you're right. The market has changed. And I think that something that might be surprising to some of your listeners is it no longer matters whether you're part of a large firm. I think a lot of things are relationship driven. That's not different per se. But in the past, I think people would sell services by saying, look, I have this army behind me who can help you. And that had a lot of cachet to it. And sometimes you do need, you know, 500 extra people to help you with something because you have a multi-district litigation or something extremely complex or perhaps it's international and you need you know expertise in, in areas jurisdictions or areas of law but i think what's changing now is that the economy is tightening the world is becoming smaller we still have the same i think we have more actually more countries now because it's not just the ussr you have like 30 countries there i can't even keep track so we have more countries but the world is shrinking and people are doing a lot of, you know, cross global transactions. And they're looking for an attorney who understands what they're going through, that understands that just because, you know, the US economy is this way, my economy in Bolivia is not as strong. So, you know, I can't I can't even pay for an hour of your time using the Bolivian currency, for example. I mean Bolivia is not a huge part of commerce, but you know, you can use that extrapolate forward. So I think that if you're providing value and you're doing something that's cost effective and you show the client that you understand business and budgeting, that'll go a long way. And in fact, the only time we charge by the hour is if you want us to. And we do have some clients that want it because they're used to it and they feel like they're in control. And in some ways they are because they won't call you if they don't want to spend the money. But once they call, the control is out of their hands again. But um, that's not the real kind of relationship that we're looking for in this firm. We're looking for um, the relationship where you're more like um, a part of the company or a partner to the company, and we want our clients to be engaged with us fully. So we generally um, just do alternative billing, whereby you pay a flat fee and you have unlimited access to our attorneys. Call once or 100 times, it's the same.
So that that's out of all your clients, would you say ninety percent are yes, ninety about ninety percent. Okay. Yes, right. And do you find that it's a retainer based fee? It is we retainer. have some flat fee which are more mm -hmm. project driven. Okay. But what we really look for is to either be the general counsel for the companies that are smaller that don't already have it, or for the larger companies that we do service and they have a, you know, a whole department. We usually try to be there for them to respond to their questions and maybe do things that they either don't want to do, right? Mm -hmm. So you never not offer that, you know? <laughs> Give us whatever you're not interested in. And also um, the litigation that they may not want to dedicate the time to or cannot dedicate time to. I've heard from other uh, interviewees that this whole idea of uh, retainer-based pricing, value pricing, that it's the reason most organizations, if they don't agree to sign up, is because they don't understand it. That's what true. What do you think is the challenge there? I think, uh, well, I've seen it because I've, I just had a call with a, you know, probably a 300 person messenger company that works across state lines and they didn't understand it they're just like well we don't understand how and i said well don't you charge people a flat fee for each delivery and she said yes and i said don't the deliveries vary in size in weight and in what it is that they're carrying she goes yes i said but you could you do that and it works for you right and she goes yeah and i said well it's the same i'm not going to sit here and tell you how i price things out and I know it's it's strange that you can call me as many times as you want and you won't see an increase in your bill. So what I usually do is start off with something small. Let's do something that you don't think is that important or that isn't cost, going to cost you that much. Take a chance. Give us a $500 thing to do or a or $1,000 thing to do and see how many times you can call me and see what your bill says. And if it doesn't work, then walk away. Right. It's no big deal. So were you successful in having this person or this company agree to a... Well, I literally just had this conversation okay. two days ago, but I, it has been successful with other companies. And they usually do start off with something small. It could be something like an office manual where, you know, they don't think it's that important, although it's a very important document, but people usually don't read it until they're on their way out, you know, unfortunately. So they'll they'll agree to some price and you know there's a lot of conversation when you're putting that together because there are certain things I can't possibly know like if you have shifts if you're flexible and you allow people to work from home I can't guess that so there's a lot of conversation that takes place both via email and in person and on the phone and if you're counting the clock you know okay it's been 10 minutes let me put down point one it, it can be an issue so can you describe either a story where a client you know really raves about that approach or where you actually uh, were able to obtain a new client because of that approach versus the traditional pay by the moment well i think i think that actually one of the main reasons why we're, we're successful in getting clients is not only because of the alternative fees but because we are also focused on industry so we dub ourselves as industry experts and whatever those industries are and those two things together really work well and uh, sure I can share a war story with you so at one point in time um, I was speaking to a client that's currently my client now but was not my client at the time and um, I was speaking to them through somebody else they said you know maybe they want to use you on a, on a different matter, something totally unrelated to the conversation we were having. I'm like, okay, sure, great. So I go over there and we're just talking, meet and greet. And then I said, oh, you know, I heard through the grapevine that you're going to be moving. 
your office? And they said, yes. And I said, well, who are you using for that? And they said, you want to know the person's name? I said, no, no, no. They're, I don't want to know the person's name. I want to know what kind of attorney they are. And they said, oh, we're using a real estate attorney. And I said, oh, my God, you're using a real estate attorney for a lease negotiation? And they said, yes. I said, well, that's a terrible idea. That makes no sense at all. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, a real estate lawyer, you can use a real estate lawyer when you're buying a house or physically buying property. You're not really doing that in a lease. You're just getting permission to hang out in a space for a period of time. I think that a real estate lawyer, quote unquote, real estate lawyer is going to be looking for what the real estate lawyers usually look for, right? Obviously, you know, tax issues, those are important. HVAC issues, exceedingly important, especially today when it's 93 degrees, things like that. But that doesn't mean that they understand how to maximize the space for their client because they're not industry specific. So for example, this client was and still is a fashion client and it's an e-commerce client. So they have no brick and mortar. And I told them, well, give me your lease and uh, I'll take a look at it free of charge. And if I don't find something really important that your quote unquote real estate attorney didn't find, then you don't have to you know, talk to me again unless you choose. But if I find something, then you have to work with me. And this is my business model and this is what I'd be looking for. And they said, all right, well, we have nothing to lose. I said, exactly, you have nothing to lose. So they gave me the lease and I called them back, I don't know, maybe a day later. And they said, did you read the entire thing? And I said, no, I must confess I did not. But I do have something very important to talk to you about. And they said, okay. And I said, you see the use provision? It's like on page four or something. And they said, yeah. And I said, it says here, you know, general office purposes. And they said, yeah, what's wrong with that? I said, everything. Everything is wrong with that. I said, you're an e-commerce fashion company, right? And they said, yes. So I said, you probably have some clients that spend a lot of money with you because obviously you always want that. They said, yeah. I said, okay. And do you ever invite them to come see? Maybe you don't have a hundred of these pieces. You only have five of these pieces. Perhaps it's like... I don't know, a vintage Hermes bag or something like that. And they go, yes. I said, great. So I'm going to come and I'm going to look at this wonderful product. And then you're going to tell me that you're glad I liked it and have me go home and order it. And they said, of course not. I said, oh, you're going to have a transaction there. He said, yes. I said, well, unfortunately for you, general office purposes would prohibit that. So we should add showroom. That's what we need to do. Add that plus a showroom. And it makes perfect sense because you're a fashion company and you do actually physically have product here. And it's not far-fetched that you want someone to see it other than your internal personnel. Okay, then I was looking at some of your jewelry pieces and it looks like they were 3D printed using laser sintering. Is that correct? And they said, yes. And I said, well, do you do that on the premises? And they said, yes. I'm like, unfortunately for you, general office purposes doesn't come close. We should add light manufacturing. That allows you to do that, and it may or may not provide a tax break to the landlord. In this instance, in this location, it wouldn't, but in other locations, it may. So I said, how's that for you? And they go, that's, that's great. And I said, that's the problem with using real estate lawyers for leases. You can't use a real estate lawyer or a corporate lawyer or a securities lawyer. You have to use a lawyer that understands your industry, because my belief is that all of the law fits together like an enzyme. You cannot have isolated events where one type of law doesn't affect the other. There are outliers, of course, like personal injury, but putting 
those aside, because we love to talk about exceptions as attorneys, putting those aside, everything fits together. One transaction affects the other transaction, affects this department, affects that department. So you need to immerse yourself as best you can in the industry or industries that you're servicing to provide excellent service. So when people ask me, what kind of attorney are you? I tell them, a good attorney, uh, an attorney you want to be around, a funny attorney, a smart attorney. I never say, I'm a real estate attorney, I'm a business attorney, I'm a benefits attorney, because I think it does the individual a, a disservice. Plus, you're also cutting the conversation short because in the person's mind they might be looking for the corporate attorney and you didn't say i'm a corporate attorney you said i'm a securities attorney well they're not going to talk to you but meanwhile you have a corporate attorney partner and now that person's not going to have a chance to speak with this client either so i think we need to learn how to talk to potential customers better so Ryan, you hit on a number of things that are really important and actually are, are very much in line with a lot of the interviews that you know I've had the opportunity to record. And it's this idea of having a strong business sense. Yes. So that's it, I hear that in, in that story, which is great. And then, but also knowing an industry. I but, think equally important. Okay. So do you think that's innovative? That you're, this idea of focusing on a particular segment or is, I guess the question is more around, have you seen anything beyond this kind of focus, which I am hearing more about, um, that I, you think is innovative? I mean, I do think it's innovative. I've, I'm starting to see like larger uh, law firms have these practice groups that they stick uh, a type of uh, industry in front of. So they'll have like the construction focus group. But then when you drill down within the construction focus group, you'd still see the corporate attorney on construction, the you know IP attorney on construction. So I think they're doing it differently. I think they're packaging it differently. Uh, I think what we're doing is actually different. So for example, we have some construction clients and the very first construction client that we had was a window and fenestration, you know, so shades, all of that client. And I told them, listen, I'm going to learn everything that I can about windows, but right now all I know is they open and they close. And it's louder when they're open and less loud when they close. I don't know anything. So if you're okay with that, then I'm okay with it too. <laughs> and he goes, sure, it doesn't, doesn't matter to us. But now that we've been working together for several years, they're like, I don't have to explain it to you anymore. When I say a balance, you don't think that I'm weighing something on the scale. I said, exactly. <laughs> I said, I know way too much about windows now. Are there reasons you wouldn't take on a new client that was interested in working with you? Maybe a particular vertical or just one that didn't mesh well with the rest of your clients? I think that I would have an open conversation like I did with this, you know, particular company. I would just tell them, you know, we we do focus on industries. This is a new industry for us. We're happy to take it on. We will have an industry learning curve. In the meantime, we're pretty confident we can still do X, Y, and Z for you. So business development for professional services. So you've worked mm -hmm. in, you know, in your own firm here, worked in other industries. Why is business development and professional services, or do you agree that business development and professional services is different than you know business development and some other industries? It's very different because, for example, you have lovely earrings on. I can go into the store or I can go online, depending, and I can take a look at them and see if they speak to me. It's tactile. It's visual. Sometimes it's auditory, right, if you're buying headphones or whatnot. <clears throat> 
with services, you're really taking a chance on the person. It's not so much about the service. And I think that um, there's so many intelligent professionals out there. So it's not like you can differentiate by saying I'm the smartest. First of all, that's likely untrue. Secondly, that's really haughty. No one's going to like you for that. Even if you think it, keep that to yourself. So there's so many intelligent professionals out there. So it's not like you can differentiate by saying I'm the smartest. First of all, that's likely untrue. Secondly, the true differentiator is really us. Do you enjoy working with me? That's the very first thing people look at. Secondarily, then they start asking about experience. If they don't like you, your experience is completely irrelevant. But if they don't like the salesperson and they love those earrings, they're going to get those earrings because they're going to use them and enjoy them and it's going to adorn them. So it's very different. So it doesn't, it's, I can see the difference, of course, because something is, I'm going to leave and I'm going to take that item with me versus, right, right having a, a relationship. And I'm going to throw out a word and it's not in you know, some of the suggested things you were going to talk about, but I, I'm quite confident you can chat about it. It's okay. the word trust. Trust. You know, becoming mm-hmm. a trusted advisor. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about people using that word and do you think that's, that's really well, what results in? That exact phrase is on my website. So what I tell people is I'm a hopeless romantic, which is true. And people laugh because they say that I come across tough sometimes. But I don't know what tough and love has to do with anything. But in any event, um, I'm a hopeless romantic. And I really loved how the legal profession, profession started. And that was individuals who were there to help you. Individuals that you trusted. That's the first call you made for anything any kind of business issue, whether it was good or bad. You called up, you know, Joe, at that time it was mainly men. So you called up Joe and asked Joe to come over or asked Joe to meet you for drinks so you can talk to him about what your plans are. And that's because you trusted Joe. Kicking it old school is, is literally what I say. So I'm trying to, you know, go back to old school and have you think of us as a trusted advisor. I mean, with our retainer-based platform, the whole purpose of it is to think of us as your employee, just without the headaches of having an employee. And that goes to trust, because that's that's what the leap of faith is all about. It's all about trust. Excellent, I think that's why we see the word counsel coming back in a whole lot when we talk to attorneys and lawyers about their work. They're like, they wanna provide counsel. Right. Along the same lines. Well, we are right here at um, a good time, but I wanted to give you an opportunity if you wanna expand on your background, your journey, um, possibly comment on bespoke? Oh, sure. Well, one of the industries, probably the largest industry uh, for us is the fashion industry. So bespoke really, we took it from that. And for all of you gentlemen out there who used to be in the UK and have really uh, you know, well-made suits made just for you, they were called bespoke tailors. Of course, we do have them all over the globe now, but it started in the UK. So I took that idea of making a person feel like they were the only important person at the time of service into my law firm. And that's what we pride ourselves on, making every client think that they're the only client. And in fact, we've been asked by some of our clients if they're the only client. And I joke, half jokingly tell them that can be arranged for more zeros to the left of the decimal point. No one's taken me up on that, but maybe one day they will. Excellent, well, thank you. Anything else about your journey or we can say goodbye? Um, No, that's it for now. Thanks so much. Rania, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot.